Welcome to the Juniper Park TBWA Disruptor Series podcast, where we listen to people who are using disruption to grow and improve business and culture throughout the world. I am your host and co-producer, Phil Toledis. My guest today is the co-founder of Black Can, Ariam Wolde Georges. Black Can is a disruptor in Canadian politics aimed at empowering black political candidates and their communities. Some of the themes I hope to discuss today are Ariam's point of view on black representation in Canadian society and politics, progress made through Black Can, and the inspiration behind it and how people can become better allies. Ariam, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. It's a busy month and busy times at work, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. That's awesome. So for those that uh, you know don't know you and what you do, give us a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, what's your backstory? Yeah, so um, I'm a uh, public engagement consultant right now with the city of Calgary I called an engage planner, but my background like professionally is doing supporting um, community development and engagement specifically with uh, equity deserving communities, uh, but I do a broad range of other things there. Uh, originally, though, my family and I are, are, uh, came to Canada when I was a toddler from Eritrea, and I, I like to joke that I I have a unique experience of being a 1.5 immigrant because I came so young um, that I'm always somewhere in between where I feel very connected to my air train background, but also um, <laughs> feel very Canadian, especially when I'm with uh, my family and all that. They remind me very much that I have a lot of Canadian uh, mannerisms and behavior. But uh, yeah, so a lot of that, as well as just my family interest around being involved in community and things like that had led me to uh, my larger goal around supporting the social and civic inclusion of immigrants and other equity-deserving community members, and um, which kind of led me to Black Can, actually. So can you expand a little bit more on what it means to be a 1.5 immigrant and how this unique cultural space you're in has led you toward your volunteer work? It's the awkward in-between. I think we, there's many different people who can probably feel uh, or understand that kind of statement, but it's you know, it's, it's a unique experience where there's positive and benefits, but sometimes you do generally feel othered a lot. Like I, I want to have a strong sense of identity, but sometimes I feel very air trained. Like sometimes when I'm in spaces where I'm maybe one of the few minorities in the room, um, I'm very much reminded that I'm air trained uh, first. And other times, you know, I was saying like with my community, um, they noticed my upbringing, my, like the, the unique experience of, of being mostly raised in Canada. Uh, and I'm reminded that I'm, very much Canadian at times too. So it's, it's kind of that awkward in between, but, um, what it led to me and I, and I'm not a person to blame. I think like, it's great to understand what those things mean and and maybe why we associate certain things. And, um, but what it led me to believe in and, and want to be focusing on is how do we support people and how do we make people feel connected, feel, have that strong sense of belonging, um, which I do think led me into, uh, my current line of work, um, and even though I say it professionally, I, I volunteer quite a bit. It's a it's a very big joke that people don't know. <laughs> They're like, I could be on many committees, I can do this, just because I really am um, truly dedicated to that. Like, uh, you know, I can say it very nice and formally, being like the social and civic inclusion of immigrants and other equity-deserving communities, but it really comes down to is that I just want people to feel like they belong, that they can fully like participate, whether it's their choice or not, um, in in anything that they want to do. And then right now, I think we're still working on that. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, Black Can was previously known as, I believe it was Black Voters Matter Canada. And that was rebranded by Juniper Park TBWA's uh, in-house design uh, department, La Parc, last year. 
Um, it's the second project completed through our trampoline uh, program, which is uh, JP's BIPOC incubator program, which aims to help BIPOC own small businesses with branding efforts. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the evolution of Black Can and what the purpose uh, of Black Can is and how JP supported the organization from the inception? Yeah, so um, Black Can uh, is a is an organization, an informal organization that myself, uh, one of the co-founders, and actually a few different black uh, organizers from North and Western Canada uh, came together to start, really just to see we could um, kind of change what we're noticing in terms of black politi- uh, black representation in politics, um, the support for black communities in politics, especially again in North and Western Canada. Um, it really just came out of uh, one of our co-founders, Petros, uh, who just knew all of us actually, and I actually didn't know everybody from the group prior to joining. Um, but with, I think it was the beginning of 2021, there was rumors of a snap, a federal election coming up, and we eventually did have an election, but not as soon as um, we had thought, like not in the spring. Uh, and we were really worried that with a really quick election, this would be again an opportunity where, or a situation really where black rep, uh, candidates wouldn't really have as much of a chance to be involved and even get elected. Uh, and so Petros kind of rallied us, like, you know, rally, uh, and, and brought us together. Um, he and we had all met him in different phases of life. He's a very engaged guy, but all of us are, you know, organizers, a maybe all encompassing term, but we all come from different backgrounds. As I mentioned, I'm a community developer engagement uh, like expert. Uh, and but a lot, we have communicators, Petros backgrounds, economics and uh, community work as well. Um, we have strategists, there's just a wide uh, variety of groups, there's social workers in the group, and we're all just uh, black Canadians uh, that came together because we really saw that this this could make be something. Um, we quickly formed from conversations in January to hosting a federal election series, uh, so a bunch of events with all major pe- uh, federal parties in March, and uh, and then even added an extra event because there was interest with um, black uh, f- uh, women candidates and, and whether they were uh, federal or municipal. Um, and it went from there. But because we kind of came quickly together, we had just were like, yeah, let's just be Black Voters Matter Canada. We didn't really think about it too hard. And so after the kind of the adrenaline of the, uh, the election series that uh, we were like, we probably need to change our name. And uh, then we're connected to actually Juniper Park who presented this great opportunity because up until then, and if you saw our old ads, I was making everything in Canva. Uh, and I didn't, I don't, again, I, I enjoy communications, but that's not my formal background, um, let alone like marketing and branding. And, and there's so much more into it. Um, and we kind of just took the chance and we had like, you know, we had reservations initially. We didn't know where it was going. Like we had some connection to the organization, um, but seeing what you had done um, in this, uh, in the incubator program with the other, uh, the other client as well, uh, I think the ice cream company, I believe. Um, and the fact that you actually like part of what we were trying to do, we even were like, we need to recruit somebody that can help us in communications um, and find somebody from the black community. And um, the the working with Juniper really it, it ended up being great. We had a, you brought in truly, truly a true ally. You brought in a black um, creator to help us with all the content. We were really just expecting the logo. We got a whole style guide. Um, like I just did a post for our, our Black History Month statement and it was so great to have all those resources so that I don't have to just make things up. But we now look so professional <laughs> and it truly was a great partnership just being able to have the support from, from your team. Well, and the organization's new name, which now stands, uh, Black Hand stands for uh, Black Civic Action Network. Um, And the look is meant to better communicate the mission to get more black people involved in Canadian politics and uplift um, black candidates at all levels of government. And that's a very, very strong evolution from the initial name. 
Um, you know, the, the, the entire thing is much more inviting. Um, the, the, the typeface has, has a very welcoming and progressive uh, approach to it um, that Black Hand aims to embody. And I believe the logo um, has been and is debuting uh, this year throughout provincial municipal elections in major urban centers and slated to take place all year long. Um, so that's a tremendous amount of exposure that, that you are now having. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, you know, even I'm remiss to say like the, um, or mention that the support even or identifying a new name, like that was not an easy task. And even just looking up if that was okay. And, um, but you're right, like Black Hand, it does mean the Canadian Action Network, but it also was just kind of a quick nod to being like Black Can. Like, and we use that even as a hashtag. Um, I, you know, where you are really to trying to disrupt or dismantle some of these perceptions of Black Canadians and um, their capacities or abilities, which, you know, um, is unfortunately still a stereotype that exists that we maybe aren't as experienced or able to uh, be part of uh, these these processes or be, be representatives, right, uh, for government and, and work in these systems. So um, not only that is that like the the team at Juniper listened to uh, our, our, our team and mostly I want to shout out Nigel and our group, one of our co-founders, who even shared about his Ghanaian background and the importance of the star. And so not only was the star, which um, is meant to be a compass and a beacon for change, um, uh, but uh, they even your team even actually angled the star to the northwest to nod to the fact that we're focusing on northern and western Canada. So it was the like again like I'm like oh maybe we'll get a logo out of this, um, but went beyond uh, what we could have expected. Let alone giving that opportunity again to a a, a, a black creator, a black professional to use their experience and skills in a in a professional setting and then help support us in the process. I was going to ask you why the work you do is so important to your community, but it's evident in your answers why. Can you break down for us the social and civic aspect of what you're trying to achieve in the future? I was very deliberate about why I said social and civic. So the social is really important uh, to begin with because it's kind of the behaviors, the attitudes um, externally and internally that our communities feel. So the equity deserving communities, um, people who have multiple barriers to participation, access to resources, things like that. But the social is how we feel and how we're per- like we're perceived. Um, and how, like even that sense of belonging, I often, uh, in my previous work around community development, I used to use a quote that was from some research around social determinants health of health. It talked about um, your your postal code actually determines more uh, than your genetic code. And that was a, a fact that they were able to determine from understanding wellness, meaning how you feel, how you're welcome, the neighborhoods you're in, and the perceptions. So that social aspect can limit or it help you um, in, in how well you can feel overall. So, you know, these perceptions don't just make us feel bad, but sometimes, you know, stop us from participating in other civic particip- um, options. So civic inclusion to me means, you know, the formal institutions, whether it's schools, government, um, even at the community level, we, here in, in Alberta, where I'm, I'm situated in, we have community association and community leagues, and they function a little more like minor government sometimes because they have a lot more capacity or, or um, autonomy to do kind of work. Um, but even those processes, like if you, even if you're under school council, how are you able to participate in these structures when we're constantly seeing othering maybe some, and I'm speaking about the black communities we have here, but you know, that general perception of uh, that social aspect, how it's informing the civic involvement. And I want us to see part involved in civic um, in opportunities as well. Um, and these two things actually really inform each other. Now, you spoke about the civic aspect of it. Can, is there an example that you can give us to illustrate the process of, process of civic action itself and, and how it's needed to better uh, to better equity-deserving communities? 
a great example I like to use is because when you think civic, you immediately think like voting. And voting is a great thing to do. It's a great um, exercise of democracy um, and our and our ability to uh, participate in government. But it's not the only way you can part- participate civically. Even doing things where you can support your neighborhood, your community, your city, like calling in potholes <laughs> is a civic action. And I think about that because we want to make sure we take care of where we are and what we love where we live. We love what, what city and, um, and communities we're in. And so I often equate the the importance of even just calling in the, the, the pothole that's in your neighborhood or being able to. So that I can even flip this on the other side of it. I really do talk about participation to barriers a lot, uh, or barriers to participation, sorry. <laughs> um, because let's say it's it's not that we don't want to call um, call in about the pothole and figure and, and address the pothole that's in our neighborhood that's, you know, making our cars get damaged a little quicker than it needs to be, um, you know, kind of changing the look of how our neighborhoods and communities in our cities feel. Um, it's also the other part of it where, uh, where what are we also doing to support the involvement, inclusion and messaging and, and how we can support people in participating in these civic actions? Because these things might, um, like add on like these small, smaller things that you would never think of. Uh, being such a big impact, creating such a big impact can because when we leave one thing and we don't actually know how to participate in even just the basic of civic participation, um, it, it can speak volumes to maybe what other gaps there are in our ability to be included. As we all know, government doesn't necessarily move swiftly. Um, so with that in mind, what is the long-term outlook for Black Can and these initiatives? Honestly, really what we're trying to do, and I when I was talking to our team because I was like, hey, I'm going to do this podcast about <laughs> Black Can. Um, and I know that one of our, our co-founders talks about how we're really trying to do is farming. We want to plant seeds. Um, we want to see what's fertile. And know that we know what we're doing isn't some big, um, massive like change that's going to happen immediately. What we're trying to do is see if if things could grow and change from these different efforts, from concentrated efforts, even from our own community. So we're all black individuals from North and Western Canada saying, hey, like our communities matter. We deserve representation. Um, but uh, our hope is it actually becomes like the momentum, the the, uh, the shift in attitudes or even the small actions that we're doing does create an impact where we actually might not be needed. And uh, while we are a like we're not a registered nonprofit or anything like that, we actually just come together when it's needed. And our hope is that um, we will see us not be relevant and needed uh, in the future and that we actually well, like even if thinking about the future, we don't know when, uh, like when we'll reach our goal, which is really to see that black representation, that black culture of civic involvement really change. Um, but I think what we're hoping to do is not only just encourage our black communities to participate and, and help create opportunities for them, but even see the broader Canadian um, society, see how they can be one, um, one of many organizations, people and actions that can make this difference. But I, and I think the end goal is always going to shift. The goalposts are going to move constantly throughout all of this. So I think there's always going to be an inherent need for Black Can. Um, and, and I think that's a positive thing. Um, now, let's talk about a very important word uh, that we haven't touched on yet, and that's allyship. And that means a lot of different things to different people. How can we evolve good intentions into meaningful impact with regards to allyship? Like, firstly, I want to say, like, uh, even what uh, Juniper Park did with us, that it was a great act of like we're created impact in terms of allyship because you know there's a lot of great intentions i think we notice um 
that generally right now people wouldn't outwardly go off and say like they have negative perceptions of of our different equity deserving communities it depends maybe we talk to sometimes but i think it's it's more than that it's how do we create meaningful tangible actions that support the larger impact that we're looking for so um if you're thinking of just elections coming up how do you support black candidates um, we might not get as much visibility back to that point of like maybe perceptions and opportunities are not as uh, equal for us. What can you do to um, support uh, black candidates are coming up in these elections? Like uh, our focus is out west and north of Canada, but I know there's elections coming up in Ontario. We do have elections coming up in, in British Columbia as well. And I think in Quebec, there's also elections coming up. You can share your skills. You can show your support for the candidates themselves or organizations that are doing work to support those black candidates to create the networks for them. And um, when you say when I say share your skills, it can be anything. Like we, uh, when in the last election, uh, municipal election here in Alberta, we sent uh, emails out to all the people who had attended our events to say, you know, look up the candidate, see if they align with. Um, are you good at communications? Are you good at setting up websites? Are you, you know, free that afternoon to do mail drops? Think of various things that you could do that would help support that candidate. And it, it could be, though, again, an action like literally just going walking through your neighborhood and taking those flyers and putting them in there so that visibility can grow um, to seeing if you have like unique capacity skills or just time to contribute to that to that uh, candidate and, and um, support them there. But even before elections, I like to think about what are the organizations, the groups of people who tend to do a lot of that, um, maybe that background work that we don't often hear about, which is seeing and encouraging um, diverse candidates to participate, to working with uh, political parties, to understand the importance of investing in, in our equity deserving communities, but black communities and black leaders, or even just understanding what black represent or what uh, representation and supporting black futures means. Um, we need to see an investment and a care for for communities. And even I, I unfortunately hear stories where from externally, like where um, I heard one of our teammates was sharing that they had heard of an election um, riding where 60% of the neighborhood or this riding was actually uh, people from black communities. Um, be but because there's this perception that black people don't vote or don't participate in civic culture or civic engagement in some way, they forego even reaching out to understand, to make those conversations, to see how they could understand their communities and represent them better and just went directly to actually a community group that they knew traditionally voted. And that was such a miss for them because what we're seeing here is that, hey, maybe you could have brought in black skill talent. Um, it's, it's that loss of potential that always is upsetting, but also let alone the fact that we assume we have these assumptions that often are too negative about our communities. Uh, think in general, if we ex uh, even our Black History Month statement that we just released yesterday, um, we talk about consider investing in Black futures, seeing uh, where that potential is, and let alone that if you look at stats, you see that um, typically Black community members are um, highly skilled. I think there was a stat for North America that the most educated person in or like demographic was a black woman. Yet, you know, that representation is not visible in in, in the States, let alone in Canada. Right. Um, but additionally, like um, maybe another story that is more relevant is or maybe just also relevant. Um, after George Floyd's uh, murder in 2020, uh, like a lot of us in the black community, had different feelings. And I will even say myself, like I've been uh, volunteering, being involved, supporting ethnocultural communities and immigrant communities, but also black communities since I was 
I mean, since my dad could drag me around where I didn't need a diaper, probably, but more actively <laughs> since I was like, since I was 15, I, I just really felt compelled to make sure that there was, uh, there was spaces of support, there was opportunities, there was, you know, connections and relationships with our communities that could build us into other networks that we're not part of. Um, but after George Floyd murder, it just the attention, first of all, which we appreciate, but almost felt misplaced. <laughs> Um, I had so many friends and even some of our co-founders talked about being reached out to saying, like sharing their sorries and, 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 and their condolences. Um, I even have friends that like uh, told me people sent them money as reparations. And I was like, how does this make sense? What are the tangible, let's think about other things that we can do about tangible actions um, where we can, we can support people. Like what is the effort that you can do to make sure that you're centering black community members? Um, if you're in, businesses, how do you support a hiring of black talent? Um, and Canada's black population is actually relatively young, even though we have over 200 plus years of black Canadians being in Canada or black community members being in Canada. Um, but what are things you can do to dedicate internships, uh, fellowships, and even supporting students? Um, because even with it being Black History Month, which sometimes is referred to as Black Futures Month, we know that um, our communities don't often have the space to dream or see their dreams. Um, but when we do dream and we like go through the hurdles of, you know, going, getting post-secondary education, extra skills, qualifications, sometimes overcompensating for the same roles, um, we still see that teachers sometimes are a barrier. And I, I specifically note this because there's a study that talked about or, or found that there was attitude towards black students from teachers that often were negative, that supported pessimism and ex expectations around uh, lower achievement or ability. And so when even let's say when we have dreams, where are we going with them? And, and yeah, so I can stop there, but there's so many opportunities here that I think like think critically and, and maybe think more tangible about the actions that we can make um, more so than just kind of those check-ins or the condolences, which I mean, George Floyd's murder was extremely sad at a moment for all of us to re really reflect. Um, but what are, what are the things that we want to do now that we know will move into tangible actions and that impact that we want? Does it sometimes feel frustrating, um, the, the misplaced intentions? Yes. I really don't want to come off as a certain way, but I will say personally, I was extremely frustrated with all the attention after George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. I personally have been on committees that existed 20 years ago in my city uh, that were trying to do the same thing. I have personally heard of and and even reported, to be honest, community um, or people, employees of institutions that are meant to support our communities who tell me about these kids don't care, or these black kids don't care. When, when you look at them, they're immigrant youth coming from war-torn countries who are experiencing levels of trauma and because they didn't show up to a pizza party, they were losing financial and the um, financial support are also just the, the general um, compassion that I would hope we'd have to support our communities and meet people where they're at so that we can meaningfully benefit. It's not really hard right now to Google and see how disadvantaged black community members are um, in many different spaces of life, let alone overrepresented, over sorry, overrepresented in negative aspects of life. And that's not even just our communities. I really hope that we spend time, especially in Canada, reflecting on indigenous communities. Like I think there was, a, and I, I don't, I can't be quoted on this, but I think it was saying that it was indigenous women or indigenous people are represent, I think 50% of inmates in federal prisons. Uh, and I, again, I need to be corrected on this, but overall in terms of population, the indigenous community represents less than 20% of Canada. And so when those things happen, when patterns are happening, um, when, yes, I'm frustrated. And I think there's always, 
what's frustrating is that there's always been people doing something, trying to be that that bridge so that life our life isn't that hard. Um, I, I said earlier the social and civic inclusion of immigrants and other equity deserving communities is my like my spiel, like the line I say. Yeah. But really, what I'm trying to do is how can we make it that it's just our lives don't have to be about struggle. Our lives don't have to be about um, resilience always. Resilience is always a feel like a good thing. Like I don't want to always have to work hard or deal with all the negative things so that I can just have the same basic amount of comfort so that others are afforded um, without even having to try. But how can uh, this goes back to allyship? Look into those organizations, those people that you can just lend a hand, whether it is as small as, hey, I'm really good at. Um, you know, I had admin experience and I'm retired now. Let me do the calling and letting people know about your your organization. Let me help you build a network or a connection to this funder because, you know, networking is really important in fund development. Um, there's so many ways that I'm sure that all of us have skills and resources because it's it's not um, just on us as individuals. I, I really, um, it's about the community. It's about the Canadian society. All of us really taking part in how we can support and change what's happening for us right now. And I think, like you said, that goes beyond uh, Black History Month and Black Future Month. I think this is something that needs to be discussed and uh, move forward all year round. You know, we, we bring attention to it, you know, at this time of year. But obviously, you know, Black history is also Canadian history, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and Canadian history is all year round. So this is something that needs to be discussed um, and need to, needs to be put at the forefront of Canadian politics and other areas, uh, you know, of our day to day lives year round. Now, I wanted to ask you one more question, uh, you know, and I'm stealing this from Tim Ferriss, but if you could put a short sentence on a billboard for all of Canadians to see, what would it say coming from you personally? I really, I struggle with this because I was like, oh man, I like conversations. I like to have a, like, let's, let's talk because, I, because we should personalize a lot of what's going on this, but, uh, and I don't want to be like, walk in their shoes. I don't think that's about that, especially if we think of like, addressing um inequity or uh you know racism that exists in our society it's not about um empathy is at one step but it's also maybe and i had something else down because i was thinking about this because i know we had talked about this before um but i I do anti-racism training occasionally with uh, some of the community groups i'm part of here in calgary and in a conversation i had this past weekend with a nonprofit about how do we support inclusion how do we change and make sure that we're centering the right people and we had a really long discussion about future like our future and being curious so empathy is great but i don't want pity there's nothing i'm not doing anything to deserve pity i didn't do anything personally this is these are exist external things systemic things that are creating these barriers for us right but i what i'd love to see is that our maybe the billboard answer is i i wish for all of us to be curious but curious of a future where we're all included and all feel equal wonderful i love it First thing I want to do is I want to thank you for the time that you've taken today to chat with us about uh, Black Can and everything Black Can has been doing and continues to do to further Black representation in Canadian politics and further disrupting Canadian politics and the landscape of it. There's some wonderful things happening over the next couple of months uh, and year, and I can't wait to see all of that unfold. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with Black Can or yourself, how can they go about doing that? Because we talked about allyship here, and that was a huge thing. So, And there's a tremendous amount of skill set within this agency from top to bottom. So if anybody here wants to uh, lend a helping hand at any point, how can they do that? Yeah, like um, definitely follow us online. You can message us on, um, like, message us on our social media, which is on Facebook. Look up Black Can or uh, Black Can on Instagram. Um, but you can also email us at uh, Black uh, Matters at gmail.com. We're still in the process of changing our email. 
but feel free to message us that way and see how you can get involved. But as we said, our hope too as well is that you you hear what I heard today, you look into what we've done and see how you can contribute your skills. But we're all capable individuals um, to supporting black candidates, whether it's our organization or others that are supporting those communities, please do so. Thank you, Ariam. And I know I can speak for the agency when I say you have Juniper Park support uh, entirely. Thank you so much. It was great to chat with everybody today. Ariam and our team had an initial meeting a few weeks back. From the get-go, we were drawn to her genuine passion to institute change to the Canadian political landscape. Through the grassroots aspect of their work, Black Hand strives to improve involvement and how support and communication within the community is vital to the growth of Black political involvement in candidacy, voter action, and allyship. And that was one of the key takeaways for me today. Allyship. How can we continue to lend our support through action? And it brings me back to a quote that we've all heard since we were children, that actions speak louder than words. And to truly create a political landscape that is fair to all voters, voices, and those who make the brave choice to put their name on the ballot representing their community, there needs to be unwavering support through our actions. Retweeting a hashtag just isn't enough anymore. How does that truly translate? As Ariam said, It's the little meaningful actions that can produce the greatest results. Volunteer to hand out flyers, build websites for a candidate, knock on doors. Only then can we help organizations like Black Hand truly gain equality that is long overdue and truly disrupt the landscape of Canadian politics. Now, if this is your first time listening and you would like to receive all future episodes as they go live, hit that subscribe button. We are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can follow Juniper Park TBWA on all major social media platforms. Don't forget to leave a review and possibly a five-star rating on whatever platform you're currently listening on, as it helps us climb the podcast charts. Juniper Park TBWA Disruptor Series Podcast is a production of Juniper Park TBWA in conjunction with Bolt Content. Our project manager is Val Smith. Our lead writer is Andre Bell. Our communications manager is Savannah Ebeling. And I am your host and producer, Phil Toledis. Join us next time as we talk to, listen, and learn from people who are using disruption to grow and improve business and culture throughout the world. Mm